Welcome to Cornerstone Assembly of God's weekly sermon podcast. Thanks for joining us. You can head over to cornerstoneaog.com to find information on different ministries that we offer. Thank you for downloading. Now I think it's time we listen to this week's sermon. I heard people, it's like confusion hits them. I think this chair moved two inches. It did. Actually, I think uh, Danae, where's Danae? I saw her somewhere. Didn't we move it like a foot? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just go ahead and feel comfortable moving to different seats every Sunday, too. Move somebody else's cheese. Is there a Bible sitting here? Oh, I might use this Bible. The longer I'm saved, I realize the more I make my flesh uncomfortable, the more comfortable the spirit is in me. I don't want my flesh to rule what I do, what I think, and how I feel. So if you can make your flesh uncomfortable or help to make somebody else's flesh uncomfortable, I think that just gives the spirit license to feel free to move. And that was a free message. It's not the message. Let me ask you, have you ever felt lost in a crowd, unseen and unheard, ignored, unloved, and disrespected even among your own family? What would you say if I told you that's exactly how we can treat the Holy Spirit inside his own house? It's not a good feeling. Today I want to share with you for just a few minutes on creating an atmosphere. I've heard other preachers preach on the same topic, um, hosting the presence. Um, Practicing the presence, cultivating an atmosphere, creating an atmosphere. An atmosphere I, I want to talk about today that's focused on his presence, honoring his authority, and yielded to his Holy Spirit. That's the kind of atmosphere I want to create it's this kind of atmosphere that will lead the lost to God, heal the sick, and set free those who are in bondage to sin, not because of anything you do or I do, but simply because they've stepped into this kind of atmosphere. God is all about creating an atmosphere. I, trust me, I've been in ministry now, I think it will be 25 years this October, or 26, I don't know, I lose count, 20-some and I've heard it said by people over and over again, oh, God does not want an atmosphere. That's supposed to be left to the bars and to the concerts. And God, well, I'm sorry, but the more I search the scripture, God is about atmosphere. God is about creating an environment that hosts his presence. Let's just turn over to Exodus 25. Let me show you. I've shared a little bit of that, about this a few months ago. 
when I talked to you about the temple and the different elements in the temple and the different departments of the temple and how he is all about creating an atmosphere. In Exodus 25, I love hearing pages rippling. Exodus 25, God tells Moses, beginning down here in verse 8, have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. And then he goes on over chapter, page, and verse over and over from that verse over to chapter 31. Now turn with me over to 31. All these details, all these details, every little thing. Think about all the details he laid out for the sanctuary from the color of the fabric of the curtains to the poles that will hold them, the altar in the outer courts, the bowls, the lamps, the tables, the bread, even what the priests will wear. Even what the sanctuary is supposed to smell like. And you're telling me God's not about atmosphere? It is. He wants a place where he's welcome, where he's focused, where he's honored, and where he's yielded to. And he says, you know what? Let me just show you what that's supposed to look like. So then finally, over Exodus Chapter 40, here it is, because then Moses starts going to work, putting it together. All the people helping him. Exodus, chapter 40. Allow me to just skim through this chapter. Then the Lord said to Moses, set it up. Set this tent of meeting up on the first day. He even tells him when to do it. Place the ark in the, of the testimony in it. Shield the ark with the curtain. Bring the table. Set out what belongs on it. See, set all this stuff. Put the lamps up. Put the lamp stand up. Place the gold in the incense in front of the, right where it's supposed to be. Put the curtain up. Hang that. He didn't even worried about the curtains. The color of the curtains, ladies. Details are important. Place the altar of the burnt offering in front of the entrance, the tent of meeting. Place the basin. See, here it is, the bowls and the courtyard. Put it in. Put, there's another curtain. Take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and everything in it. Consecrate it, all the furnishings, and it will be holy. Then anoint the altar and all its utensils, even the utensils. Consecrate the altar. will be most holy. Anoint these bowls, the stand, consecrate them. Then bring all the priests. Then he says, lay your hands on them and what they're wearing. Tabernacle was set up on the first day of the first month in the second year. When Moses set up the tabernacle, he put everything in place. He spread it all out, just like the Lord commanded him. He took the testimony, placed it in the ark, attached the poles to the ark, placed it right where it's supposed to be. He brought it into the tabernacle. He hung, there's another curtain. 
the testimony, the just as the Lord commanded. Over and over again, he says that. Just as the Lord commanded. Just as the Lord commanded. Just as the Lord commanded. Place the table in the tent. Uh, on the north side of the tabernacle, outside of the curtain, set the bread on it before the Lord as the Lord commanded. Place the lampstand in the tent, table, set up the lamps before the Lord as the Lord commanded. He placed the gold altar at the tent of meeting, burned the fragrant incense on it so it smelt just the way the Lord commanded. Put up another curtain. I love curtains. And you're just curtain, curtain, curtain. He set up the altar of burnt offering near the entrance, tabernacle meeting, offered it burnt offerings on it as the Lord commanded. Placed the basin between the tent, altar water in it, washing Moses and Aaron and his sons. They're washing their hands and feet because he doesn't want them to stink. What did my grandma used to say? Cleanliness is next to godliness. It's right there, as the Lord commanded. Anyway. They washed whatever they entered the tent. They approached. Then Moses set up the courtyard around the tabernacle and the altar, put up another curtain. And so Moses finished the work. Verse 34. Then. I could go on preaching the next two hours just on the word then. Then. Then actually means because they did just as the Lord commanded, as the Lord commanded, as the Lord commanded, as the Lord commanded. Then. You notice everything in the Bible has stipulations? Do this and I'll do this. Do this and I'll do this. Draw near to me, not me, God. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Everything has stipulations. Do this exactly as I have commanded then. But see, we want to skip everything else and get to then. That is a spirit of selfishness. It's I want, I want, I want, and I don't want to do a thing to get it. God says, I want to give you this, but you have to do this. Do just as I commanded then. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not even enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled upon it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and fire was in the cloud by night. In the sight of all the house of Israel during all their travels. I believe that if we do what God commands us, there will be such a cloud and such a fire upon this place that people will see it from all around. Not because of anything you've done. Not because of anything I am or I could possibly do. Not because of the preaching, but because of the glory of God. If we do our part, he'll do his part. But we have to do our part. We have to do just as he commanded. Then. Then we'll see. 
That's the atmosphere we want to create here. An atmosphere that's focused on his presence, honoring his authority, and yielded to the Holy Spirit. An atmosphere will either welcome the Holy Spirit or it holds them out. Actually shuts the door on them. I want, I want, I want. Give me, give me, give me. We'll keep God at a distance. Well, let me ask you. He over and over refers to himself as a, a holy father. God does. And he says, think about how you would treat your kids as a father. Would you withhold something good for them if they're being good? No. Now, is it about us? I want to be careful. You can't work to earn God's approval. But he says you can't say you love me if you don't do what I command. So as a mother, when I look at the kids that I raise, I'm not going to withhold something from them unless they feel like they deserve it. I'm owed that. I want that. Come on, you've heard your kids say that. Give me this, give me that, give me this. Mm, no. Mm, no. Do you want to give it to them? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Your atmosphere, the atmosphere we create here, is either going to welcome him or hold him at a distance. Like I referred to earlier, it was Bill Johnson that did a whole series on the subject of hosting his presence. Now, I haven't watched the DVD series, but I did listen to a podcast, and he was touching on this same topic. And in this podcast I listened to, he encouraged us to do everything with the dove in mind. Let me explain the way that he said this in the podcast. is when Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the water, and it said that the heavens were open, and the Spirit descended on him like a dove, and it remained. So Bill Johnson was trying to explain in this hosting his presence that when we're living, moving, having our being, that we're supposed to do it with the dove in mind. If you want to welcome the Holy Spirit, if you want to create an atmosphere where he is honored, he's respected, and he's yielded to, then you have to keep him in mind as if he was a dove on your shoulder. You don't want to do something that would scare the dove away. As a matter of fact, what did the Bible say? Jesus said, you can go ahead, say what you want about me. Say what you want even about my father, but don't you dare say a word against the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. So whatever we do, if we do it with God in mind, we'll create an atmosphere that he's honored, he's focused on. If we just come in and we do the motions every Sunday, where's God needed in that? Where's the Holy Spirit needed in that? If you just punch a time clock on Sundays, I came in, I did my time, I'm going back out and doing my thing. Where's God needed in that? As a matter of fact, form without power is called religion. Do you want religion or do you want a relationship? Jesus died for a relationship, not for a religion. 
As a matter of fact, the ones that he kept getting after were the religious ones. You keep thinking that just following the rules are going to get you to heaven, but it's not. It's form without power, and it's just dead and useless. Sunday, I, I pray consistently, God, I don't want to just give a good word. Sure, I want to speak a good word. but That's not what it's about. Because unless the Holy Spirit carries the word and puts it in your heart and pierces your heart, it will just fall to the ground. It's the Holy Spirit that will carry the word so that it doesn't return back to him void. It's the Holy Spirit that has to touch. So I'm praying consistently, God, Keep me in a place where I don't hinder the Holy Spirit in my life and through my life because it's not me. I only want to declare, I, my only responsibility is to declare the truth that encourages you to surrender to God. Like John, I'm just pointing the way. I'm pointing the way. I'm pointing the way. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's not about me. So let's just look quickly at these three aspects of creating an atmosphere for God's presence. Number one, we must be focused on his presence. Moses couldn't even enter the tent. He couldn't even enter the sanctuary. But all could see the glory of the Lord had filled the tabernacle. God wants all our attention on him. Exodus 34, 14 says, Do not worship any other God. God says, For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. I've said it over and over again. God wants your heart. Not part of your heart, not only on Sunday. He wants all your heart. It's a marriage. It's a relationship of intimacy. God wants all all your attention. I mean, over and over again, I, I constantly am digging into the past, into the great revivalist and things that they've done and things that they did, and um, I love history. And it was William Seymour that actually would hide behind his pulpit when God would start to move because he didn't want anyone to look at him as if he did something. Catherine Coleman would cling to the curtains and back before she had even come out and pray, Holy Spirit, this is you. Without you, I'm not moving because I can't do anything without you. Nothing, nothing can be done. Nothing can be done with any power without the Holy Spirit. Second, honor his authority. Now, in our culture, because I was battling, is it honoring God or is it respecting? See, to me, respect means a lot. It's huge. When I see a man in uniform, that's respect. I want to show him respect. Whether it's a police uniform, an army uniform, uh, anyone in uniform, um, somebody older than me. You know, in my lifetime, when I was growing up, we were taught how to respect authority. 
it was ingrained upon us, literally, in places. You will respect your authority. I am very careful when I raise my kids that I teach them that, that we don't lose that. We will respect our authority. Whether it's a teacher, it's a bus driver, it's a waitress, it's a hostess, it's police, whatever it is. But we have to be taught. And I think in our culture we've lost that because of the spirit of lawlessness that the Bible says will come upon us in the last days, which we, if you don't know, we are in the last days. But it's crept into the church even. That I don't have to respect you. You have to earn my respect. What is that? Where did that come from? I don't have to respect you. That kind of sounds like the first lie. When Lucifer looked at God and said, I can be God. Who are you? When he lied to Eve in the garden and said, who's God to say that he's the only one that needs to know all good and evil? You can know it, too. You don't have to respect him. Respecting his authority, honoring his authority. I have to remind my kids how to respect authority. And now we're talking about God. King. King. Majesty. Creator. And let me remind you, the breath that's in your lungs right now, because with him who are you who are you what can you do the very thought that you're breathing right now is proof of God's mercy and his long-suffering and his patience and I'll tell you until we get back to respecting and honoring his authority he won't feel welcome here because would you, and I shared this on Thursday night with the prayer team, and see, every time I get talking about this, I mean like a, a shaking comes with inside of me. That the Holy Spirit gets excited if you could just grasp this. That we can go into a courtroom. And I've sh- spent my fair share in the courtrooms. And I've had lawyers look at me and say, I'll go and get some um, time, postpone your hearing so you can go home and change. Don't come in here looking like that. When we sit down in a courtroom, the minute you step into a courtroom, it's hush. Hush. Shh. Would you let... <laughs> well, how you doing, Sue? How you doing, Pat? How you doing... <laughs> while the judge is sitting in the courtroom? They don't even do that before he gets in the courtroom. Exactly. Because the men that you honor and you respect with the uh, uniforms on will escort you out. Because there is a respect, there is an honor that's demanded in that courtroom because the judge is about ready to come in. And then when he steps in, what do you do? If he stands, you stand. If he sets, then you can set. 
I always wanted to be a judge just so I could go up, and hoop, pick, hoop, up, down, up, down, and just watch people go. Hoop, hoop, Sorry for those listening on podcasts. They were like, what just happened? Should have been here. Anyway. (laughs) But we come into the house of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one that put breath in your lungs, and we kick back, eat our popcorn, drink our drinks, and expect to be entertained. And I don't have to show respect. God knows my heart. I'm respecting him and honoring him in my heart. Tell me, does that make God feel welcome here, respected here, honored here? We've lost the reverence. We've lost the respect for his authority. And we need to return to honoring him his authority, who he is. He told Moses, make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like I showed you. Do exactly what you know to do. And if you don't know to do, ask somebody older than you. They'll tell you how to respect authority. They'll show you how to show honor. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20, it says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Everything about you should honor God. You yourself are a temple of God. So I'm not just talking about this four walls. I'm talking about your very body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, and he's given us very specific commands to follow that will show him honor and respect, even within our own bodies. And three, we need to be yielded to the Holy Spirit in all their travels. If God moved, they would move. If he didn't move, they wouldn't move. Yielded. We need to get comfortable on waiting on the Holy Spirit, and he will direct us. But in our culture, we don't want to wait. Fast food is not fast enough. We stand at the microwave for 30 seconds and yell, come on! I want my coffee. We want it now. Forget about all the things we got to do before we want the then. And God said, just wait. Just wait. You do what you're supposed to do. Do all I've commanded. And then wait. Wait. It's making your flesh uncomfortable. Oh, when he screams. Oh, he screams. The flesh is, say something. Do something. And God says, no, just wait. They that wait upon the Lord. Isaiah 40, right? They that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up on wings like eagles. 
They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Wherever God directs you, you'll have the strength if you wait. Zechariah 4.6 says it's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Are you tired this morning? Do you sometimes get burned out? You kind of feel like, God, I've done all I can do. He's saying, good. Now wait. You want to see power? You want to have the strength? You want to not grow weary again? Wait. Because it's not by what you can do. It's by who God is through you. You have to wait. That's why Elijah, remember when he was confronting all those false prophets? That's a story. You got to look that one up on your own if you don't remember that. (laughs) He was... He put all, he said, get, gather all the false prophets. Gather all the prophets. Of course, I don't think he called them false. I think just gather all the prophets. Gather them all up. Let's see whose God is really God. And he kicked back in his lazy boy right there in front of him and said, you know what? You start. You go ahead. If, you, if you're God, if you summon your God somehow, and if he can go ahead and breathe fire down on this sacrifice that you lay out on this altar, then he's God. All right? So then they started screaming and ranting and raving. The Bible says they even started cutting themselves and jumping up and down. And I mean, to the outsider, that might have looked like church. Right? Oh, look at that revival going on over there. Look at them screaming and yelling and dancing. But it was form without power. It was just religion. They're screaming and yelling and begging, come on, come on. They're cutting themselves even, which, you know, let's not go there. But anyway, and then (sighs) Elijah did something that I just, I I have to admit my flesh enjoys. He started taunting them. Come on, maybe he's in the bathroom. Your God can't hear you. (laughs) Think maybe he's on vacation. Maybe he's taking a nap. Scream louder. I have to admit, my flesh really likes that story in the Bible. Come on, jump up and down. Maybe if you, maybe do jumping jacks, he'll hear you. Come on. But the bathroom thing was good. Anyway, finally, all day long, he's like, okay, now do you want to see some power? Are you ready? Are you ready? Yeah. He's like, you know what? Since this sacrifice has been laying out here a while, and you might blame it on the, you know, circumstance. Well, it was just got hot that day and, you know, the sun. And maybe somebody kept holding a, mag- you know, a magnifying glass up there and really trying to light. Let's pour water on it. Let's pour some more water on it. Let's pour some more water on it. I mean, the taunting that he did there, I have to admit, my flesh enjoys. But it is such a picture of it's not anything we can do. Only by his power. And then he says, okay, God, go ahead. Go ahead. And the fire fell, licked up everything. It's not by might, 
It's not by your power, but by his spirit. Yielding to the Holy Spirit, but we must yield to him. And you can't conjure him up. You can't tell him what to do. Wait on him. The Bible says, be still and know. If you would just wait, you're going to see God. Do your part. Do all I've commanded you. Then you'll see God move. Then. What's just as important as creating an atmosphere is being aware of and minimizing the atmosphere killers. And there's a whole litany of different things, a list of things I could have shared here, but I narrowed it down to three because, you know, Pentecostal, you know, doctrine says three points is always holy. Anyway, no, I'm just kidding. Um, Three of the biggest hindrances in creating an atmosphere, and this applies in the church and in your life, is distractions, selfishness, and offenses. Distractions. How do you know when something or someone is a distraction? Very simple. All you have to do is remember this one question. Is that drawing my attention away from God? And on them. Or on it? Is it a distraction? Well, is it drawing my attention away from God and onto it? Or them? And distractions can be beautifully innocent things. Snow, rain, a window that looks at a dirty vehicle and then your mind starts wondering, when is she going to wash that vehicle? I don't think she's washed it all year. What's she waiting for? Oh, we got to paint that playground set out there. I wonder when they're going to pave this driveway. Oh, the snow is getting up. Oh, I need to shovel my driveway. Oh, yeah, the ice. I need to buy salt. Where's a pen and paper? Oh, I hear a baby cry. <gasps> baby. I like babies. I'm just going to move back there a couple seats. Oh, hello, little baby. Hello. <laughs> I love babies. Or the, I need a snack. Let's get a snack. can be completely innocent. They can be a person dancing to the Lord, but their dancing kind of took a turn for, look at me. Aren't I beautiful? Well, yes, that could be beautiful for the Lord, but if you're drawing people's attention on you instead of them on God, then you're a distraction. Somebody singing out in the spirit can be beautiful. But if they think, hey, this sounds pretty good, I'm going to get louder. It's a distraction. So I know that we could be swinging the pendulum both ways and say, oh, great, now she don't want anybody dancing in the Lord. She don't want anybody singing in the Lord. Babies are not welcome in the sanctuary. No, we have to keep a healthy balance. All these things are beautiful, and all of them are wonderful. But if they 
turn people's attention toward them instead of God. It's a distraction. Um, I was one that I didn't really care to use the nursery. Um, I thought I will train my kid how to set and how to enjoy the, but parents, let's just be honest, they don't get it. Not for a long time. But I was going to force it on my kids, which meant a lot of work for me. So when my kid would start to, you know, play tiddlywinks underneath the pew, you know, and start to, you know, make the, I had a majority of boys, so it was always army stuff. <laughs> you know, you'd look down and you'd go, oh, you're going to war, honey. Is that spiritual? Go ahead, be louder. No, I'd just be like, come on, you know, let's pick up the toys. Let's go out. Let's go out. Because I didn't want to be a distraction. So whatever it is, remember, it can be beautiful, innocent things. And it could be whatever. Here's another test. If you notice people's looking at you, oh, maybe I'm a distraction. I have to tell you a story. I'm so glad she's not here. <laughs> I went to a ladies' conference, and I don't know why ladies. I, I try to stay away from them at times because I tend to get myself in trouble. But I'm trying to be more mature now. But one I went to, and it was over at Living Hope Assembly of God years and years and years ago. And years ago. Anyway. Some ladies, and our family, you have to know our family, is um, hard to keep control of once in a while. (laughs) And some of our extended family is even worse. And we were at this ladies' conference, and the speaker was amazing. I mean, I don't even know who this woman was, but she was amazing. And there was about 10 of us you know, in our little section of these pews, and I'm, yeah, I can't remember. Anyway, I was listening, listening, all of a sudden I hear the, you know, of rappers, and I'm like, who's got a rapper? And it was, I'm not going to say her name, I can't say her name. Anyway, my mom's girlfriend that was trying to get a piece of candy, and I'm like, do you need to be quiet? You know, you ever do the shh, that's louder sometimes than the noise itself. Anyway, and so I I hear our other ladies going, shh, and she's like, and she's, you know, messing with the rapper, and then all of a sudden, here I heard it, fell on the ground. I'm like, well, there, hey, fell on the ground. Now she'll be quiet. And then I, out of the corner of my eye, saw her start to bend down and try to get the candy, but she wasn't a small little lady. And she got on her hands and knees, and I thought, dear Lord, woman, grab that piece of candy and get back in your seat. And all of a sudden, I saw her back start to move, and I could tell she was laughing. And I'm like, oh, no. I'm really trying to focus on the speaker here, but I'm like, what is she laughing about? And then I heard her say, I'm stuck. (laughs) That was it. It was over. We couldn't contain ourselves. As a matter of fact, depends was the actual, you know, 
provider of the whole, you know, it's like you can buy some Depends out back, but it was, it was gone over a simple piece of candy. And yes, we had to actually stand up and help her pry her back out of that puke. <laughs> All for a piece of candy. And sometimes I get distracted. I love having fun. And the same thing happened at a church recently. I was sitting in the front row trying to be all, you know, put together. You know, I'm all nice and neat. Sitting there in the front row. And I heard the person behind me with the candy. Why is it? Unwrap it at home. (laughs) Bring unwrapped candy if you need to eat it. But the wrapper, I heard the wrapper. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. Right here behind me. You know, it was a quiet time, too. I don't even know what was going on. Oh, it was, yeah, it was the offering time. So there was just somebody up there quietly playing at offering time. And I hear the behind me. And then it was wood floors where we were at. I heard the candy drop. And no kidding, it seemed like a split second. I looked down at my feet, and here goes that piece of candy. So I leaped out of my seat and jumped upon it and went, and I turned her, I stood up and turned around, and everybody's eyes were great big. And the guy whose candy it was, he looked at me, he goes, you ate that, didn't you? I said, no, it's right here, buddy. You can have it back. But I thought, that's about the, um, the level of distraction that just a simple rapper was doing anyway. So I'm thinking, I'm going to play on this. But distractions are hindrances only because they pull our focus off from God onto something else. And they, like I said, they can be completely innocent. But ask, is it drawing others' attention? If you're asking yourself this question, <laughs> am I drawing attention onto myself? Uh, the number two killer, selfishness. Let me remind you, even the scripture that we read earlier, that your body is the temple of God. It's not your own. He said, you've been bought with a price. So don't you dare do what you want to do. You're not even your own anymore. If you're a Christian, you've given over your rights to God. This is your temple now, God. It's all you. It's like this house, God. It's his house. When we come in here, we show God honor and respect for his house. Now, at my house, I can do whatever I want to do, right? Yeah. When I come into his house, he should be able to do whatever he wants to do. So to be selfish in God's house doesn't even make sense. So I have to admit, that's one of the reasons I like moving your cheese, moving your seat, pushing the rows up, down, move side to side, just to remind you, just to remind me, it's not my house. It's not your house. It's God's house. Because I have to admit, years and years, and all the churches I visit, we get um, ownership over our seats, I actually was sitting in a church and 
I saw a visitor coming in and sitting down in sister so-and-so's seat. And I'm like, oh, Lord, it's going to happen. Today, it's going to happen. And then I thought, no, she's going to, you know, she's, husband's a deacon. She's going to be good. And she walked in and said, literally said to them, can you move? This is my seat. And I'm thinking, hey, that's an empty seat. That's an empty seat. That's an empty seat. It's not your house. It's not my house. It's God's house. It's not your seat. It's not your banner. It's not your blinds. It's not your carpet. It's not yours. It's God's. And I'll tell you, the leadership is on their face to make sure every little change that we do, I know I make light of it, but that we pray about it. We discern, God, we don't want this to be my preference. We want it to be something that encourages your presence. I don't even remember where I was. Oh, there I was. Yielded. How did I get off saying that? Oh, no, I'm down here and distracted. My, it really did just jump. Selfishness. We are only stewards. Stewards. Do you understand what that word means? Of everything you have, you are only a steward of it. Everything you've been given, God has given you. This house, God has given. Your resources, God has given you. You're only a steward of it. You will, you will be accountable for what you do with it. How you treat it. How you stewarded what you were given. And let me ask you, referring back to the lady who said, you know, get out of my seat. If you're a Christian, this might be a revelation, but you're saved. It's okay. You already have a home secure in heaven, right? If we were out on the sea, that means you're in the boat. You're saved. You're safe. You're secure. But who's more important? You that's in the boat, that's safe and secure, or the one that's still drowning out there in the sea? Who's more important? So when you come in, you should be constantly looking around saying, who has come in that still might be drowning? I need to make sure I reach out to them, I help them grab a hold of the life ring, and I help pull them into the boat. They're more important than you, than me. And you have a part to play in their rescue. And we're going to be doing a whole series coming up on this. That we each have a part to play. So you might not be the Coast Guard. Maybe you're the cook. That when they come back to the harbor and they are hungry, you make the meal. But you might not be the Coast Guard. You might not be the cook. Maybe you're the teacher that shows them the word of God. Maybe you're not the Coast Guard. Maybe you're not the cook. Maybe you're not the teacher, but you're the nurse that helps bandage their wounds. 
Everyone has a part to play in the rescue. Everyone. A senior executive of a Fortune 500 company said people are either the bridge or the barrier. If you're not building a bridge for someone to come to the Lord, you are a barrier. And the third one, offenses. And this, again, I'm, I think I'm going to teach on this in the next couple weeks, um, on offenses, because offenses are almost equal to insecurities. They go hand in hand, and I was just listening to a message that Jody and Deandra um, sent over to me, Joyce Myers did, on insecurity, right? Or was it offenses? I can't even remember. I'm looking for I don't see her anyway. Okay. Um, I think it was on insecurity. Yeah, because she said, Joyce Myers said, insecure people are easily offended. Insecure people are the touchy people. Oh, that bugs me. Oh, that bugs me. Oh, I don't like that. Oh, did you hear what she said? Oh, did you see the way he looked at me? Insecure people are easily offended. They talk negatively about themselves even. They need excessive amounts of encouragement. And they refuse to take correction from God or anyone that he might use to bring loving correction to them. Insecurity breeds offenses. Offenses build walls. Walls lock people in, keeping them from growing and reaching their potential in Christ and accomplishing the mission. Insecurity is simply security in the wrong thing. Insecurity is simply security in the wrong thing. Insecure people, people who have been offended, will look for others to justify their offense. Did you see the color that they painted that room? Isn't that horrible? I kind of like pink. Pink? Really? Ooh. What, it, what is going to happen when a boy goes in there and it's pink? I don't know. What's going to happen? Well, let me tell you what's going to happen. Did you taste the coffee they served this morning? That's crap. I got it better at the gas station. Then lovingly look at them and say, hey, would you grab me one too then when you go to the gas station next week? <laughs> they will look for people to be offended with. So let me just tell you, and I said it yesterday at the business meeting, please guard your conversations. If you're starting to feel a little touchy, <laughs> Guard your conversation. And if somebody comes up to you and you can easily discern by the wisdom of the Lord or just by common sense that <laughs> they seem a little offended in their conversation, help them. Don't point your finger at them and say, you need to shut your face. Unless God tells you to, then go ahead. But help direct them. Out of, because offenses, insecurities, it all breeds selfishness. Walls, barriers, hindrances, atmosphere killers. And let me tell you what happens if we have a house full of offended, insecure people who are selfish and distracted. James 3, 13 through 18 says, 
who is wise and understanding among you, let him show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. And here it is. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Oh, it's, no, I'm not talking about people. It's the truth. Other people feel this. I always have people come to me. There's a bunch of people that have been saying, I always ask, who are they? Well, I got to keep their, it's confidential. No, it's not. Who are they? Well, me and, uh, well, Pat, me and Pat. Yeah. Oh, so you and Pat are a bunch of people. Well, yeah. Well, no, Pat really didn't say anything. Well, she sat there and nodded. She nodded. Don't deny the truth. Verse 15, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly and spiritual and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder in every evil practice. So you wonder what happens when people get comfortable in church? This is my seat. That's my curtain, that's my banner, that's me, 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 mine, 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 I, 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 want, want, want. And I'm going to put these people around me that agree with me. Verse 17, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace will reap a harvest of righteousness. I said it at the business meeting yesterday, people are more important than projects, but if people stand in the way of the purpose, we'll go around them. But I refuse to be hindered by people's offenses. I did that for way too many years. And I watched as the purposes of God were put on hold because, well, we didn't want to offend so-and-so. Well, we didn't want to offend so-and-so. Well, so-and-so was offended, and they got so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so to rally around them. Now we got a group of offended people, so maybe this isn't God's will. Good preaching, Brenda. Yeah, I know. That was good. Keep going. Okay. All right. I've already went too long. I still got four or five more pages of notes, so let's just wrap this up. Your atmosphere has to start at home. You have to begin daily to create an atmosphere at home. And when the Bible says in your closet, don't, you don't have to go in your closet. It just means a quiet place away from what? Distractions that you can focus on God, on his presence, and not the lawn and the laundry and the kids. That you can focus on his presence, that you can honor his authority, and you can yield to his spirit. That's creating an atmosphere, and you've got to start it at home. 
And when you start, and I heard somebody just say this, that if you kill the lions and the bears in private, God can trust you with killing the giants in public. But you have to begin at home. You can't wait until Sunday and then next Sunday and say, now I'll get into the presence of God. Because he's saying, you know what? I've been waiting for you at home. You know, if you would meet me at home, I'll go with you wherever you go. Because you'll carry that atmosphere. That's how Peter was able to walk by and people healed by a shadow. Because he created an atmosphere of God's presence that went with him. If we really begin to understand that we are the temple of God, we are the temple of God. And everything we do, we want to give honor to him. We want to focus on his presence. And we want to yield to his Holy Spirit. Wherever we go, that atmosphere will go with us. And you will be able to draw from all the resources of heaven. Like it said, you'll start to begin to live from heaven to earth. Drawing from all the resources of heaven because that's what the Spirit, God says, I yearn desperately for the Spirit within you. Constantly wants to be in communion. And you'll pull from all those resources and you'll begin to affect this earth in ways that are uncontrollable. You'll have no, you'll be standing in line at the grocery store and the lady behind you, and had this happen to me, would start crying. I went up to the gas station attendant, laid down my $20, and she started crying. And I, Lord help me, I'm not saying this because I'm anybody, I'm, no. I'm telling you, when we begin to live and walk the way we're supposed to. And I looked at her and I was late. I was late for a meeting. But I knew the presence of God hit her. And I said, is everything okay? And she's weeping, no. And she started pouring out her heart to me, a stranger, about all the family issues and what's going on. And just said, can I just pray for you right here? And in the gas station, was able to. Did I do anything? No, I simply carried the presence. But you got to begin that in your room, in your house, in your private time, day by day. And then could you imagine what would begin to happen in this church on Sundays if you and you and you and you and you would take your atmosphere from home all week long and join it together in here? Now what was a, a atmosphere of a, you know, a four by four area that follows you touches Linda's atmosphere that's a four by four area that touches errands, that's a four by four, that touches and all of a sudden it just spreads out. And then the unsaved person walks in and sits down and just starts weeping, don't know why. Why? Not because you said anything, not because the preacher said anything, not because Amy played the right song, but because God's presence was here and multiplied, multiplied, because we've determined to set and create and maintain an atmosphere that's focused on God, honoring his authority, respecting his authority, and yielding to the Holy Spirit.